0: God only knows what a blessing this choir and orchestra is to me week after week. Thank you. I've been preaching for almost 70 years now, thousands of sermons, but never once I realized this past spring had I preached on the most well-known passage of scripture. To make amends before I leave for a better land, I invite you to consider with me this morning John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So I invite you to consider with me God's love life and mine. First of all, the object of God's love. Note that he didn't say God so loved Israel. That's what his disciples expected. Nor did he say God so loved Columbia or God so loved the United States as his church behaves like. God loved the world, but he only began his redemption plan with Jesus. He planned to finish the redemption of lost humanity by loving that world through you and me. How's the church been doing in uh, reaching the world for Jesus. Well, 2,000 years and counting. Consider, two out of three people on planet Earth have never yet heard the good news. That's worse. Half of that number, one out of three, can't hear it because they live in an ethnic group where there are no Christians if someone doesn't go in from the outside they can't hear the gospel yet our God loved the whole world of perishing people traditionally the term missions referred to leaving home church and country and like the apostle Paul going to evangelize a people group other than one's own primarily in foreign lands. Then mission has come to mean any kind of reaching out beyond the doors of one's own church. And for many today, mission means purpose. All the functions of the local congregation are its mission. But just for this morning, I invite you to join me in using the term traditionally, as what used to be called foreign missions. What's my reason for that? Oh, God loves the whole world. And what is the Church doing about that mission today? Praise God for the recent surge of missionary activity, sending missionaries out from other parts of the world. For example. Korea, Southern India send out tens of thousands of cross-cultural missionaries. And consider Nagaland. It's a tribe in Northeast India with one million believers, Baptists yet, they are sending out 10,000 missionaries to other countries that don't have Christians. If that were the United States in sending out, instead of sending out the 43,000 long-term missionaries from American churches, we'd be sending out 990,000. We get the job done pretty quick, to be sure. In recent years, American churches have sent millions of missionaries, short-termers that is, and that's good, but to reach those who haven't heard who can't hear because they're out of reach of present gospel witness short termers can't do it what is needed are incarnational missionaries who stay among the people long enough to learn their language understand their culture and to live out the life of Jesus so people can see it and be drawn to him let's leave the world scene for a moment and bring it home. How many are we at First Baptist Church sending? I've had quite a time for a couple of years finding out. But thank God for the five of our members who are out there as foreign missionaries representing us. But let's never forget that the object of God's love is the whole world, not just Colombia. Now, Columbia is our first responsibility, of course, and I am very proud to be a member of First Baptist Church with its incredible variety of outreach to our community. But we don't want to forget God loves the world. And what is the goal of God's love? That people not perish but have everlasting life. In recent years, many missions-minded churches in America seem to have changed the mission's objective. We must so love people, the world, that people would not suffer so much, have a healthy and happy life. We'll alleviate human suffering, saving people for their time here on Earth. Let it not be miserable. The New View says we've had enough of the old-fashioned missionary focus on saving souls. We must change the paradigm to saving minds and bodies and societies. But I'm mystified by the accusation that traditional missions was only saving souls. In my boyhood, my aunt and her two children came to live with us. Uh, The House was pretty crowded and uh, especially for me because the son was my age and I had to move over. And I knew why they had come. I'd heard why they came to our house, but I didn't really understand it till later. My uncle, Their missionary husband and father had been killed as a martyr in Korea. The occupying Japanese police force, secret police, accused the Chinese communists. And the communists accused the occupying Japanese. But one thing was for certain. The killing was to silence a spokesman for liberty and justice for an oppressed people. The oppressors didn't like Uncle Lloyd seeking freedom and justice for Korea. Then from our youth, I was proud of not one but two sisters serving as nurses in the cities and jungles of Latin America, saving bodies. I remember visiting Anne, who with her husband was translating the scripture for the No, a forgotten tribe deep in the Amazon I watched her treating the ill in a little thatch roof clinic she was a nurse but she had to provide the services of a doctor the only one they'd ever seen saving bodies as well as minds and souls then last year I visited Ethiopia I knew that I had uh, an uncle, Tom Lambie, that had been there many years before, and I thought he was a little famous, but I wasn't sure. So when I visited Ethiopia, I asked my guide if he'd ever heard of Thomas Lambie, and he said, of course. I said, could you take me to the places where he served when he was here, and he said, of course. So first he took me to a little uh, cafe, it was called, Four tables, open front, and we sat down at one of the tables to have coffee, and then I looked over on the wall, and there was a large photographic portrait of the Emperor Haile Selassie, standing by the stretcher of a wounded soldier, and there beside him, Emperor Haile Selassie's personal physician, the young Dr. Thomas Lambie. Then they showed me across the street and here was a hospital complex, larger than any we have in Colombia, now operated by the government. And they told me that Dr. Lambie founded that. And he added not just that one, but hospitals all over Ethiopia. But he wasn't just into saving bodies. He was into saving minds. So he took me around behind the cafe to a very prestigious girls' school. Oh, the director was so excited to see me to meet the nephew of the founder of this the first educational institution in Ethiopia open to women he showed me portraits and a book of the founding more than 80 years before then he changed the subject he told me that uh, Lambie had started a church which has now become one of the major denominations uh, in Ethiopia, Presbyterian Church, and uh, this prestigious girls school was still part of that. And then he paused, then he continued. Lambie tried to inspire this booming church, his spiritual children to reach out in evangelism, but they seem not interested. So he then invited the founder of the Sudan Interior Mission to come into the country and together they began what is now the largest evangelical church in the nation. And the part where they evangelized in Southern Ethiopia is over 50% evangelical today. In fact, he was so committed to the evangelization of Ethiopia that when the Italians came in and took over Ethiopia, they threw out all the missionaries. He gave up his American citizenship, became an Ethiopian so he could stay there. And what's the result? One of the largest people movements to Christ in the world. there in southern Ethiopia. I was pleased to hear from this high school principal his excitement about my uncle. We went back to get our car in front of the Lambie Cafe, and there was a very well-dressed man standing there, later learned he was a distinguished attorney, and he saw me coming, and he came to greet me because he thought I was the foreigner he was to meet there. He was a little disappointed, but when he found that I was the nephew of Thomas Lambie, he was so excited, he exclaimed, why, he's the one that brought Christianity to Ethiopia. Remember. This was an encounter more than half a century since Lambie had passed off the scene. Of course, Lambie was far from the first to bring Christianity to Ethiopia. The Apostle Matthew did that in the first century. But still, traditional missions only wanted to save souls. On the other hand, we might ask, what is the end result of those who say the primary goal is to save from ignorance, illness, poverty, injustice. The thousands of minds and bodies that Thomas Lambie saved are long gone. But the thousands of those he rescued from perishing will live forever. So our task is to save for time, yes, medicine, education, but above all, to save for eternity, that they not perish but have everlasting life. Of course, that view of our mission's responsibility is old fashioned. 2,000 years old fashioned, in fact. Certainly reach out in mercy, certainly seek justice for the oppressed, but of all, reach out that people not perish but have everlasting life. For said Jesus, What shall a person gain if he have the whole world and lose his own soul? So why did the Father send the Son? To be incarnate among us and give his very life for it? That whoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. How is it with you? God's love for the world is not just for those out there. It's for you. Put your name in in today's verse. For God so loved Robertson that he gave his only son. He loved you because he doesn't want you to perish but to have eternal life with him. Are you sure you'll never perish? If not, Why not make sure today he loves you? He waits for you to run to his loving embrace. In a moment, we'll give you opportunity to do that very thing. Run to Jesus. So the object of God's love is the whole world. The goal of God's giving is that people not perish but have everlasting life. Now consider the nature of God's love. God so loved, we read. How much did God love? All my life, since my childhood, I've celebrated the love of Christ in giving his life for me. But how well I remember the day the love of the Father snapped into focus for me. I was sitting at my desk when the phone rang It was my daughter-in-law, Susan, and her message was urgent. Dad, Bob has been in a terrible accident. Please pray. So I bowed my head at the desk and began to pray fervently. Ten minutes later, the phone rang again. Dad, Bob is with Jesus. Jesus no it can't be my beloved son 36 years old a promising life cut off so early and lovely beautiful Susan left alone I thought how gladly I would have given, taken his place but that triggered in me the contemplation of the father's love I had two sons left but he gave his only one I wouldn't give my son for anyone, friend or foe, but he gave his son for a world of rebels. I began to understand just a bit a father's love. God's so loved, and that overflowed into a prayer I wrote some years ago. Let me share it with you, Father. What was your Gethsemane? And when and where did you decide against all heart and reason to abandon your beloved one? And that for me, O oh, worthless substitute. Like the piercings of a sword, we hear the cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What love, we say, and yet, and yet, Was not the Savior's piteous lament a mere echo of that broken-hearted cry reverberating down the endless corridors of heaven? My son, my son, my beloved son, why have I forsaken you? No greater human love, Christ taught, than when one gives his life. But Father's love explodes beyond the reach of highest, deepest, and most untamed flight of human thought. God gave not life, but son, his only son, for me. Indeed, love is proved by the sacrifice it makes. There may be genuine love without sacrifice, but it's unproved, untested. Yet the Father gives us an example to follow. Our text is not just a report on God's loving and giving, but it's the model for me, for my love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son was one of Jesus' earliest words. But don't forget one of his final words to us. As the father sent me, so I send you. And then to reinforce this astonishing teaching, the Apostle John makes it even stronger. As he is, so are we in this world. So, if my objective in life is not the eternal salvation of the whole world, what's wrong? If I'm not assigned by a loving father to the front lines to go myself, to reach some of the two billion who've never heard the good news, am I not called to help motivate and mobilize those whom God would call and send? Doesn't God want First Baptist Church to major as a sending base? It's my challenge today. Some years ago, I was invited to speak at a church distant state for the Missions Emphasis Week. I'd never seen a church like this. There were so many missionaries present. They were on furlough or the year's uh, home leave. So I asked the pastor how many missionaries the church sent out, funded. 170 was his reply. So then I asked, how many of that 170 are your own sons and daughters from this church? Oh, he said, all of them. Uh, In a church with 1,700 members, a tithe, 10%, serving at the ends of the earth. Can you imagine? And I've been in a number of churches, the tithe. If that were first Baptist, how many would we have reaching out to the frontiers? So send I you, said Jesus. And if I'm not called of God to such frontline ministry, am I not called to make God's passion a major prayer focus, a major financial investment? If that is not my lifestyle style, Is it not because of a love deficit? In preparing this message, I came under conviction. Though I pray daily for missionaries I know, dozens each week, I realized I didn't know the name of even one First Baptist Church missionary, let alone pray for them. So I called Dennis Banks Uh, to get a list so I could join forces with our missionaries. You can do the same, just call Dennis. (laughs) And then we too will participate in reaching the world that God so loved. Remember, love is proved by the sacrifice it makes. Love may be genuine without sacrifice, but there's no proof. If I don't sacrifice, is it love for me or love for the other? When the baby cries at 3 a.m., who gets up to care for her? Maybe it depends on whom I love the more. Love is proved by the sacrifice it makes. And we read God so loved the world. Speaking at a church in Um, Atlanta Missions Conference and the chairman of the Missions Committee and his wife uh, took us out to lunch after church and you know how it is when you're with people you don't know you ask them what do you do for a living so I asked him what do you do for a living and he said I'm a prison guard over at the federal penitentiary I said how long you been there 25 years and then I just blurt out show me your scars he pulled up his sleeves and they were covered with scars and then his wife chimed in and she said you ought to see his legs they're covered with bite marks and I sat there and I thought oh Lord there's coming a day when I will meet you and I'm sure you'll show your scars and say this is how much I love you and then will you turn to me and say show me your scars will I have to bow my head and say I have none for Robertson so loved for Robertson so loved himself that he gave little or nothing to save the world from perishing or will I be able to say Robertson so loved the world that he gave his life his influence, his prayer, his money that the world would not perish but have everlasting life if I can't say that on that day how much have I loved as he loved so how is your love life today remember as the father sent me so send I you as he is so are we in this world I want us to have a few moments of silent reflection, prayer before the Lord and if he's spoken to you anything about your love life and what he wants you to do about it will you talk to him about it, tell him that you're so grateful for this so great love for you And what you want to do about it, as reliving his life in this world, as being sent as he was sent. So let's have just a moment of quiet before the Lord. Talk to him about anything that he's been talking to you about. now it's time for decision I want to do something a little different today if you're here and you're not sure what God has called you to do with the rest of your life and maybe you've been saying it right along or maybe you began to say it this morning Lord I'm not sure what you want but if we, you want me to be your missionary to the ends of the earth I'm available Would you say that? As the choir sings in a moment, would you just come down to this altar before God's people and tell him, I'm available. You're not promising to go, but you're available. And you're saying, if you call me, by your grace, I'll go. So, at the time of invitation, as you look to the future, you say only young people. No, no, no. Nowadays, second career people are going out to the ends of the earth. So if you're not sure what God wants you to do and you're available, just come and tell Him so. And then, of course, the invitation is for those of you who are not sure that you do have eternal life. There's some here. Or maybe you're quite sure that you don't have eternal life. Why not today? He so loved you. When the invitation is given, if the pastors will be here and you come and they'll pray with you to make sure. And then, of course, the doors of our church are open. if you want to be part of this family of God, the First Baptist, then you come as the choir sings. thank God for those young people who have come to be available but surely in this great congregation there are others and God's been tugging at your heart will you make yourself available? not I'm going to send you but are you available? if you're available to go you don't know what he wants you to invest your life in why don't you come as the choir sings the next verse
1: just remain standing for a moment. Dr. McCrook, and thank you so much for uh, challenging our hearts this morning. And just a couple of reminders. We start with the Celebration of Liberty tickets today. Those will be available back uh, in Ellis Hall through the Washington Street Lobby. Uh, it will be on July the 1st at 4 and 730, the 25th anniversary of the Celebration of Liberty. But if you'd like to get your tickets, they'll start today. And of course tickets are free but you have to have a ticket because of uh, the need for space, and and that's the way we get in. Secondly, our Music Arts Camp, we already have a great group signed up. It's June the 11th through the 15th. You can go to the website or you can call the music office for any information for this for our children, and that's Music Arts Camp June 11th through 15th. Now tonight at 6 o'clock in Ellis Hall. We're going to have uh, orchestra night, our family picnic. We'll have hot dogs, hamburgers. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, whoever like to make desserts it 's dessert contest tonight, and the winners for the dessert contest are going to win gift certificates to the Blue Marlin, so it pays to serve the Lord tonight. So uh, be sure, be sure, and bring your desserts for the dessert contest we 'll start at six o'clock. have a great evening there in Ellis hall. well let 's pray, and then after we pray, we 'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you today for being with us. We thank you for the privilege of being able to come and praise you and worship with your family members. Lord, we pray that as we go out from this place, we would be very mindful that you so loved the world, that you gave your only son. And may we be quickened in our hearts to be reminded of just what you've done for us. And then as we are reminded, may we be obedient to share, to support, to pray for others, and to also be a light ourselves as we share your love and word with others. So we simply come now and, Lord, we just say we love you. In moments like these, we just come to you and bring all of our praise and our love.
2: In moments like these, I sing now a song, I sing of